day two of On the Bench with Zeke's coverage of Dog Bowl 11 begins with an interview of ex-Bruins star and current Colorado Avalanche color commentary guy, Peter McNabb. And welcome back to another installment of On the Bench with Beaks. That's right, we are still out here at Dog Bowl 11, the Dog Nation ice hockey charity event. We've been going on for the last couple days. I am your host, Cody Beekman, and with me, as always, is Bryce McMillan. Hey, hello. How's it going, everybody? And good, we've got, good. And we've got Royce up to Ro- Ross Mormeyer. Rice Mormeyer? Maybe one more beer. Well, yeah, at least, uh, yeah, I was going to say, at least I had somewhat of a name yeah, or this, whatnot this episode. <laughs> this has only been my second beer so far today, so i got to get into a group. But we are so lucky to be joined with Peter McNabb. Uh, Bru- uh, Boston Bruins legend, um, Colorado Avalanche, uh, color commentator Peter, thank you so much for joining me, man. How are you doing and how are you enjoying the event so far? It's, it, it you know, it, it's just spectacular. It really is. You know, I mean, I'm a, such a big fan of, of hockey. And, you know, I've been here now since the Avalanche came. And to watch so, an event like this that would have been impossible to have when you know the the avalanche first came there wasn't enough arenas there weren't the kind of arenas that could sustain this there weren't the number of teams oh god uh, no, know, you, no no not at I all i mean you, you couldn't have put together i don't think 57 teams that there are for this thing and you know so you know to see how the the growth in the sport you know uh, just ap- the one that absolutely just wows me is the sled hockey you know it's 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 just spectacular to watch those people, those those ladies and gentlemen out there doing this, the sled hockey and how they do it and the intensity and all the good stuff they have. So I mean everything it it is that goes into making this weekend work is is just absolutely fantastic. Well, that's awesome. Just talk to us a little bit about how obviously you got into hockey. I know for a fact you know my you know my dad grew up playing hockey, watching you at DU for a little while. And just kind of tell us about you know enjoying the time at DU, being here in Colorado, and obviously how you started hockey. Yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, I, I was born in British Columbia, uh, Vancouver, or actually in a, a little town called New Westminster, which the pulp and paper mill city was okay. back then. Um, and then my dad was involved with the minor hockey league, in the old Western Hockey League. There was the National Hockey League, and there was two uh, main minor leagues. There was the American Hockey League that was the East Coast, and the Western Hockey League was the West Coast. Right. 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 And my dad was uh, in Vancouver, and the owner of, or a gentleman by the name of Bob Breitbart bought a franchise and was going to move it into San Diego and called my dad and said, would you like to come into San Diego and introduce hockey to a completely different market? So I can remember one day we're just sitting around the house and my dad said, listen, we, we, <laughs> we're, we're thinking of making a move. And, you know, my dad being in hockey, you know, we're thinking, okay, maybe he's going to take a general manager coaching job somewhere else. But certainly weren't thinking anywhere exotic or whatever it was going to be maybe Seattle or Portland maybe into the you know central Canada and Alberta whatever he goes uh, San Diego California and we're like what what <laughs> what you know I was I believe I was th- 13 when Max made this little comment <laughs> and you know you're sitting there going 
San, San Diego, I mean, it, it, it's not what it is today. You know, San no, Diego yeah. was, was almost exclusively a military town back when right. we moved from Nuesp down to San Diego. Yeah, because that's basically where the Navy left Yeah, the, Oh, yeah, yeah, the Navy, the Marine, the whole thing, Camp Pendleton, all of these things were very much the major part of, of San Diego. I can remember reading in Time magazine, a sleepy little military town. Oh, that, That's what they called it back then because that's, that's you know, we were the, right on the border. It was 25 minutes from our house right to the Mexican border. And so you were right buffered up to Mexico and, and culturally all of that. And, you know, we, we made the move down. And it, it was always my favorite. My dad and I, 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 I truly don't believe he ever got over it. But it was, it was really funny because I was playing hockey and I was, you know, I didn't know which way it was going to go. But just a kid in B.C.? Just yeah, doing just, what everybody yeah, else just, did? Yeah, just playing like everybody else did. So we get down to San Diego, and, and there's basically no hockey. And my dad come, came to me and said, listen, um, I've talked with Grandma and, and Grandpa and Nano, and they lived in a town called Chilliwack, which was about 60 miles east of Vancouver. But they had a junior program, and they had all of the stepping stones of the, you know, in, in hockey, midget, junior, juvenile, whatever. So <laughs> I had started to meet some people, and... If you know anything about Vancouver, one of my favorite cities in the world, but it can rain. It, it, oh, yeah. It can rain, and it can rain consistently. Yeah. So anyway, we're in San Diego, and I start to meet some people, and my buddies say to me, you know, do you want to go to the beach? And I said, yeah, what do I need? A towel. That's, that's, that's it. We just, and back then, uh, you, you, you just don't hitchhike now. You just don't do it. But back then, there was just a... You put your thumb out, someone would pick you up, and away you go. It was two and a half miles down to the beach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, let's hitch a ride to Rock, Rockaway Beach kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And it was still different, like, from when I grew up to nowadays, too. Because sure. if I'm, we grew up out in the country, kind of. If you heard my dad whistle, you better get your ass home. <laughs> like, 100%. <laughs> like, no. Like. So, we, I went down, to, went down to the beach, and started to look around and it's 88 degrees you got beach volleyball you've got uh, this baseball game called over the line you've got this the surf you've got this and for you know a guy that has just turned 14 things all other things were ha- like the, the the ladies are walking by oh yes and, the bucks and glasses the bucks yes as you mentioned and bikinis had just come into vogue and i'm looking at this and thinking i haven't seen you know uh, i haven't seen a sunny day in a long time oh and, yeah so my dad came to me and said listen you're not going to be able to play hockey. Your career is going to be done or whatever, uh, but we can send you back. I'll give you a week to think about it. And I said, Max, you know, I don't have to think about it. I'm staying here. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. And my dad says, well, I said you're, you won't be able to play hockey. And I said, Max, or Dad, trust me, I've, I've weighed I've weighed it all, <laughs> and, and it's going, because we had, I mean, they had tremendous sport. I mean, baseball, I, I, I like baseball, and I, I remember one year when I was a junior and then a senior, we played 140 games a year, baseball, you know, with American Legion in high school and all of oh, the yeah. other things that were going on. So if you like sports, there was no lack of it. I mean, the golf, 
Torrey Pines, where they just had the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what it used to cost me? $2 on May 1st, and that were your green fees for the month. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. What? It was a, it, it, because Torrey Pines is a public course. I, well, I know. It's like going up to the ranch up here, which my grandpa used to have a membership to the, con- the country club up there, and it was just astronomical just for him to pay for that and then pay to play. It, was, it, it wasn't $2 every time you played. It was two dollars flat for the yeah, month. Yeah, no, and that's w- just nuts. And we would go around and we would, you know, be, be playing all the public courses because that was two dollars for all of the fifty public courses in the San Diego area. So we would have little tournaments, and it was so golf you could do, obviously the surfing and, and this and that. And then what happened was there was a group of parents whose kids were from this, Canada who wanted their kids to play some hockey. So they got they kind of got. A little bit of a league going. Los Angeles had this thing called GLAMA, Greater Los Angeles Hockey Association, and we sort of satellited ourselves onto th- this group. And the first year I was there, <laughs> there was uh, a, a, the group was 14 and under, everybody, and 15 and over, all the way to 20. Oh man! And we we had I was in the, you know, my second year there. We, we had four Marines from Minnesota that wanted to play hockey so they joined our team but they didn't we went up in a bus and you should have seen this when we're traveling up in a bus these guys were wanted to have some fun they're not they're 19 20 21 years old and the Vietnam War was not something that you know you were trying to get away from and have some fun they were driving behind our bus in their motorcycles so we had these four guys and we come up to these arenas where the parents are there with their, you know, with their kids and their team, and we—it's <laughs> like you've got the Hell's Angels. We got the Hell's Angels because the, 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 the fifth part of this sto- of the motorcycle group was a gentleman by the name of Rick Walsh, who was just recently you know, recently got out of prison. Right. He had just got out of prison oh, for for whatever. <laughs> so he had the full beard. <laughs> And so that was our that was our team, and it you know, and it just kind of, you know, I really when I look back at it, I, I really don't know how it worked. There's a lot of people did a lot of work to make. Uh, we played. I think I had 25 practices and 25 games a year, and you know, and so my career, or whatever you want to call it, uh, didn't really start to take hold until I got to DU. And, and there's a, if, if I'm not mistaken, there's actually a, a funny story about you actually going to DU. Because weren't you looking at playing uh, college ball instead? Yeah, I, I was going to play college baseball. And I was, I was you know what, I, it was funny. I, I was pretty good. But I had one thing I could not do. I could not hit inside heat. High, oh my God! I could. It was like, it would like. I knew it was. A, I knew I should, you know, stay off, and I couldn't. And I couldn't. So it, that that was going to be my fatal flaw. But you can hit a hockey puck that's coming at you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Miles I, I, I mean, I, I would stand it. there, and I I remember we played uh, this one really good team one time, and this gentleman by the name of John D'Aquisto, who eventually played for the Padres, but but he played for the. San Francisco Giants. He was a legitimate major league pitcher. Yeah. And he was throwing 92 to 94 in high school. 
and we played them one time. Oh yeah. So and we hadn't seen anything like this. You're you're looking at maybe 85 tops. You right. Know, yeah. Basketball. Especially. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. So this guy comes in and we're scheduled to play him. We I got to bat five times. I took 15 swings, struck out all five times. <laughs> I was going to say, he and probably I, smoked you and, that whole entire and I, time. And I said, that's it. I, I said, now I know my limitations. I said, I am, I, but, I, you know, I, I, I did play, play at DU for a couple of years uh, with Mr. Ross and he was, Coach Ross, and he was, it was fantastic. And it was, the fun part was, I had the hockey group, who were just great guys. And I had the baseball group that was just a different group. So I had all of these really fun people to experience, you know, college and the yeah, what better set. way to experience college? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, you've you got know. different facets that you're actually like experiences, yeah. and two, like you've got the actual social aspect, and then you've got two different sports that you're playing too. So you're just. And they're coming from all over the country in di- for different ways. Yeah. Well, you know? you're just like a little social butterfly, it uh, sounds social. like, McNabb. But <laughs> the, the, great, the, the great part was the that because they, they hadn't really uh, gotten together that much. You know, I, if I could do anything, I could party. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, so we, but we kind of tied it together. So we ended up having, like, we'd go to all the ball games, and they'd come to all the hockey games, and we just really had uh, just a wonderful time sort of bringing the baseball and the hockey teams together. Like truly all tight-knit pioneers. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was great. And, you know, I, I always tell people that, you know, I, when you come to college in a situation like that, it, it's... It has a bigger impact on your life than you can possibly imagine at the time. You know, we were right in the throes of the Vietnam War. Uh, things were, for young men, do you know how they used to do, do the lottery back then? My dad was actually the first, his, his number was the first one called for the uh, first draft lottery. Did, did he ever tell you how they did it? No. Okay, in Washington, they had a, a bingo thing. Oh, one. yeah, the Turner. Yeah. yeah. With one through 365. And over here, they had another one with January 1 and through December 31st. And the guy in Washington would go like this, and he'd reach in here and grab a ball and reach in here, and boom, and he matched them together. Now, the lower the number, you might as well shave your head and just jump, jump on board and head to San Diego or wow. wherever you wanted to go. And... We would get together in the gymnasium in the middle of the summer when you were 18 years old, and that's why my favorite number of all time is 216, because that was my draft number. Which and it, it was at I was the last of the three years of the draft, um, the last year they had the, the, this kind of situation because they couldn't get anybody to volunteer Enlist, because it, yeah. it, it was, wasn't like World War II where no, everybody oh, no, was exactly. like jumping this on was, that whole entire ordeal. This was nasty because I, you know, living in San Diego, um, I would imagine it would be the same as you were in Pittsburgh. If you didn't know what to do after high school, you you went and worked in the steel yeah. for, for the steel. Oh yeah. In in Detroit, Michigan, maybe you worked for the auto. Yeah. And you know, you you sort of you gravitate towards what's available in and around your your area. And so a lot of people, a lot of my friends went from high school into the military. And I'll tell you I, I I'll be very very honest. 
Many guys came back, went and came back. They were not. They were never the same. Oh no! They no, were. I mean, I, and you'd ask them about it, and they did not want to talk about it. They, it was. It was. I mean, and, and you, you couldn't figure out why. What, like what? What, yeah. what? I mean, what? what were they, and they just. They'd say, you know, Pete, I don't want to talk about it. Just don't ask me again. And you'd re- you'd understand the stuff, bad stuff happened, you know. So. You know, but we, you know, when I got to DU and, and I met, because I, the the people they recruited, I always say that played a lot of hockey with a lot of teams, and but that first group, there was Buzz and Braggs, Vic and Plew, Arnie and Sarge, Kriegs and myself. I know, like the eight of us came in together, and every time we see each other now, and and we, it, it takes a second to get back to laughing and relaxing and talking about th- those times. Yeah, so oh yeah. It was, it was uh, I don't want to say the favorite part of my life, but it was certainly uh, the biggest turning point of my life because it, I had no aspirations of being a hockey player. Uh, I went from having 45-minute uh, practice once a week to four hours of ice time at DU. And, I, you know, you could... You could do whatever you wanted with the ice time. Like the older guys, the guys that were on the team, they would, you know, they would leave after it. But you know, I was like dying for this stuff, skating, oh, yeah. and I had just never been out in the ice like this. Had this much time to just sort of discover what I could, could, and couldn't do. So, right. so it was. Uh, so that that that's basically, I think, where the hockey part of it started. Was at DU with all of the great people and. And our team was really good. Our team was really good. We the, th- the three years I was there, we went to the final four all three years. We were unfortunately third, second, and fourth, third, and second. We worked our way up, you know. But you guys were still stacked. I mean, I look at the stats that you guys put up those those oh, years, it, and it, it was ridiculous. It's well, like, and, and wait, he, McNam did that? Oh uh, my know, god! You know that the, the great part about it was this was the. They, we play Friday, Saturday. Yeah. And the conditioning level of players then was not what it is now. No. And the altitude, we we would be sitting on the bench and you could see when it hit the other team. It would be the five-minute mark of the second period. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. they'd play the first game. And it wasn't bad, but you'd see him. But then the second game, and all of a sudden, the legs were just gone. And we had one guy. I'll, I won't say his name because it, it wouldn't be there. He scored more goals in the last half of the Saturday game than any player in the history of hockey. He just knew exactly that. You know, we'd be up five-one, and he'd get three late, and he'd be, you know, he'd be crowing about how he played. We're going, yeah, good job. You know, yeah. Where was this Friday? Exactly. Oh, you know exactly no, no, where you know, it was. no, no. You needed those. I said, no, we didn't need six, seven, and eight. You know, nice try. I mean, well, Pete, it's been, I mean, it's been awesome hearing about, you know, just your past, how you got into hockey, but my one question, I guess, is <laughs> those girls as fans out here, you know, you being so close to the Avalanche, can you give us some sort of light to the tunnel here, looking at what happened this season? Can you give us some sort of light before this next season ends? Oh, I, you know, to... I, I don't think there's any way to feel good about how the season ended. I mean, that, that's, but that's part of being the, a, that's part of being a fan, part of, you know the ups and downs and, and all of these things, and 
you know, you see what's happening now in Montreal after since '93 they've never been to the finals. You know, it's it's it is never ever ever easy. You look at all the great teams the Avalanche have had; they've won the Cup twice, and you know, those two clubs were on very very different. Oh yeah. I've always, you know, I'll ask all the Avalanche players, you know, that played on both, and which is better, 96 or 01? And it goes back and forth. Some like how 01 played, some like how 96 played. And, you know, you you talk to people about which team would be better. But those were elite, elite, Hall of Fame type oh, teams. Yeah. This team, I think, has a chance to build around some really, like, Really good players. Generational talent. Yeah, I mean, you got you got McKinnon. Uh, it's just I, I remember it was two years ago, and Mc, McKinnon and McDavid were at the then Pepsi Center, right? And they were playing, you know, and Mc, Mc, McDavid goes, I'm, I'm doing the game between the benches. He goes by, turnover. McKinnon comes this way. McDavid goes this way. McKinnon, nope. McKinnon goes that way. <laughs> And I, I truly just had to, and then there's a whistle. I had to sit down. They give me a little stool. I sat down, and I truly said to myself, I did not think the game could be ever ever be played at that pace. Because it, it wasn't like, yes, it, it wasn't as if they're just skating in a straight line, head down as fast. They've got the puck. They're making moves. They're beating guys. They're going to the outside. They're coming out, stopping, starting, making plays, finding guys. They're doing all of the things that a really great player does at a speed that I just couldn't believe. And, you know, you, you keep seeing players coming into the game now. Because now for the Avalanche, I mean, this kid, Makar. Oh, he... My dad and I were at the game, the first game that he played with the playoffs, and just to see him come out and just play lights out like he did, oh my God! I, I, I remember my, you know, when I saw him for the first time, he was NCAA championships. He had to go through Buffalo's customs there and all that stuff, across sign, sign his papers in Toronto, get back to the states, fly to Colorado, and played that night. Well, that morning, I was a little bit late getting to the. Uh, ring, and he was standing around talking. He was going to, you know, he was going to work the second power play. And I, and Coach Bedner took the puck and he just passed it to him. And I just, my my jaw just dropped. He went, he did this, he did this, but did the only player that I ever did that the same sign of feeling was Ray Borg. I I was there the, the Ray Borg's first practice, and. It was comical how much better he was than the rest of us. We, we, you know, we just, you just knew it. I mean, you know, hockey players, you, you don't have to be told who the best players are. You, you just, you know, you, you, you feel it. You understand it. They do things that you just, you, you know, you can't even try. Oh, just the aura of how they are on the ice. Yeah, I mean, they, they get it, and they're in control. You're chasing them, and that's the way that it is. Speaking of, speaking of great players, I mean, you've had... You've had such a treat by playing with players like Terry O'Reilly, Bobby Orr. I mean, you had that one year where it was it. It was like eight of eight of those Boston Bruins all had scored more than twenty goals. A Eleven. Year. Eleven guys. Yeah. Eleven guys scored twenty goals. We. That's nuts. And that's you, so we, nuts. We, to, to, to put it in perspective, that's your first line, your second line, your third line, one player on the fourth line, and one of your defensemen. And that's a lot of 
I mean, you talk about consistency. There was one guy had, like I was lucky enough, I had 40, but everybody else was in the 20s. All 10 of those guys were, so the balance was, was absolutely ridiculous. It, you just, you had to pick your poison. I mean, as far as trying to, and, 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 they, it was the toughest team you have ever seen. You've heard of the Broad Street Bullies? Oh, yeah. Okay. We played them back-to-back years when they were in the height of the Broad Street Bullies in the playoffs. We beat them four games to nothing and four games to one. Couldn't even take a sniff at you. And no. they tried everything. It was... It was... It, the stuff that was done in that, I mean, 15 guys would have been suspended. You see the stuff guys get suspended for now. And it's oh, like, yeah. Just watching the old footage is just nuts. It's like, crazy. It was it's, like a back in the day. You think the Detroit-Colorado rivalry... But this was oh, on that was steroids. A, no, that, was, that was a good no, one. That was a good one, but no, but that but, was but, on see, steroids. One thing they didn't have, yeah, that they did have when I played, and it was nasty bench clearing brawls. Oh yeah, you oh get, yeah. You get involved in one of those, and it it tests you. You you, get, you grab the wrong guy. Yeah. My very first bench clearing brawl, I I got with the wrong guy because I didn't know how to fight. Because college guys, the guy was named as Ted Harris. He hit me so hard in the right eye. That I, I I thought I had I, I didn't know what. What were you seeing and, stars for weeks or oh, something and like then, that? And so then I, but then I I I it says Lego. I, I I said he hit me in the left. Hit me in the left. So now I, I literally can't see anything. He's throwing me around, and I'm going, my God, I left DU for this. You know, <laughs> what was I thinking? You know, this is my first exhibition game, and I, you know, I'm like, I'm over at the bench like Rocky. Cut me, you know, get me, get me back out there. Okay, so Blood, cut me, yeah, blood's, cut fly, me. Cut blood's me. flying all over, and I get, I get back home, and my roommate. I was rooming with this guy, walk in, he goes, what happened to you? He didn't play that game. What happened to you? And he said, I'll, t- I'll tell you in the morning, i got to put my head down. You know, then, and the next day, oh, I felt really good the next day because of swelling. So getting into Boston, uh, what did it feel like playing for a storied franchise like that for the first part of my question and just being with those guys and the boys on those on those yeah, benches? It, it was, well, you know, you're using an interesting word. Use boys? Yeah. These weren't boys. Well, oh, I no. I say that with, with all respect. These guys were men who treated the game like men. And you should have seen how our seasons would go along. We'd start in the training camp. Training camp was eight weeks. And, you'd, you know, it, there'd be this sort of, okay, we're all getting in shape. We're going to do that. The conditioning wasn't the same as it is now. And then you start the season, and it was a tough team, and there'd be all of this stuff going along. And I'm cruising along, you know, and trying to figure out with this team. We got the 40 games, and it was like something's starting to change here. Something's right. starting to, to get going. We got the 60 games, 20 games left. It was like the whole atmosphere just went flipped. And it was like their term was big boy hockey. And you should have seen. The intensity went from zero to 60, basically. It just was that much more. And then once we game one of the playoffs, you you should have seen the stuff that, you know, guys would go in wide on the goaltender and just wiring slap shots at their ear. I mean, it was, they were setting up. Wow. You know, stuff. You know, they, they was, we're winning and that's it. And whatever it took, it took. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it was mind 
blowing to to play in when you have never done that before because my background from way back was not that kind of intensity and yeah. then all of a sudden and then there was the one more step i remember the first time in buffalo i was a fourth line right right so right. in boston i get there and i'm kind of pigeonhole put into the second line right situation and we, I was talking with my line mates, and we looked at it, and the first line was going to was Rattel against Clark, two Hall of Famers. They were going to negate each other, or they were going to neutralize each other. Uh, the goaltenders were Cheevers and Perrant, great goaltenders. You know. Right. It was going to come down to our line. And I had never been, ever been in that kind of situation. Where right. It, it, winning and losing the playoff series was going to be very much up to how I handled, you know, going into the spectrum in Philadelphia, playing against, you know, the players that I was going to have to play against. Like neutralizing your counterpart. Yeah. I'd always just gone out there and just kind of tried to score and, you know, have But now I had to understand, did I have it that night? Was he better than me that night? If he's beating me on draws in this situation, what do I have to do to change that? Do, do I have to, you know, do you have to not do anything offensive, just make sure right. you don't get scored on? It, the stuff that goes on when you're actually inside of a big game and a big series and things, uh, it was, but that, that first one, from that point on in my career, which, you know, it was a fun career, I was never the same player. I knew so much more about what it took. You know, was I always able to do what I needed to do? No, of course not. Yeah, you know, you can't. But I knew what the situation was, what the intensity was, and how where I had to get myself to to be ready to play in some of those playoff games. And it was so relaxing to know that, okay, here's what I have to do. Here's Because, I mean, you can look across some nights and you go, I'm not, uh, I'm not better than that. I am not better. And that's... That's one of the greatest things you have to learn about playing playoff hockey. There are nights when you just aren't going to beat the guy that's across from you. He's just better that night. And how do I not allow our team to lose because of what I do? I, and I can't be carrying the puck because I'm, I'm, it's not my night. And every time he gets it, I got to be there. I can't be a step behind. I can't be here. I got to be there. And those nights when you do it, it's really cool. And the nights you don't, it's really hard. Yeah. It, it's oh, like you, you come back and, you know, everybody's got to drive home, yeah. you know, and you drive home by yourself and you're like, you know, we lost. And you were on the ice for the last two goals. And you should have known better. Yeah. Well, it's you make it makes you feel like it's like a damned if you do or oh. damned if you don't, like double-edged sword kind of a situation, but, but, you know. But it, it, it was the thing that taught me the greatest, why I loved hockey, why I... There is nothing in the world, nothing, zero. Like being the part of a, of a win when you're actually a part of it, like when, you, you know, it's maybe you've had a good night yeah. and you walk in the locker room, no coaches, no press, no trainers, just the, the 20 guys, and they're going, good job, Maxie, good game, Maxie, boom, boom, boom. And you know that you helped this group achieve what the goal was that night, was to win this game. And, you know, every once in a while it was a series-ending game. And, you know, there's, there's the, the, it, it's heady stuff. 
and you, you, you look around at the, the Ors and the Lemus and the Gretzkys and these guys, they did it a lot. Yeah. And there was a lot of nights when they were that guy. For someone like myself, it was few and far between, but those nights were, were really special. They, 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 were, they were moments that you like you cherished oh, yeah, coming you're, out you're of the game. Close to your oh, home, no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I apologize. I have to get upstairs and I have to. All right, buddy. Well, um, if you don't mind, just uh, quick sign in the banner for us. And, uh, no, I'm not signing that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's pretty ugly. But, uh, uh, Pete, thank you so much for hopping on and talking to us, man. Yes, it's, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Well, and it was, it's, my, it's my pleasure you guys come down here. You support this. Uh, you're not gonna, in hockey, you're not going to find a better cause than this. I mean, no, it, and thank you for coming in and helping us well, out, too. Yes. That's uh, it's well, and, well, it's fun. We'll have to get you on in like a Zoom call or something sure, like that absolutely. or get you down Guys, to the... you know, anytime. All right, we'll do it. All right, Pete, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Period two coverage of the Dog Bowl continues with a full-length interview of Colorado Avalanche standout Logan O'Connor. Man, it's just so good to be here. We've been talking to so many great people. I am your host, Cody Beekman, and with me as always is Bryce McMillan. Hey, what's up? Hello. And we have two amazing guests with us, one of which is Absolutely, and I'm so so stoked to have him here, Logan O'Connor, from our very own Colorado Avalanche. And we've got a little Josh Adams on the side here, but we got like the the little relish. So, uh, Logan, say what's up. Uh, uh, Give a little shout out to the people out there in podcast land. For sure. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, You know, it's good to get out here with a good event and see you guys and see lots of great people. And, you know, obviously the money's going towards a great cause. So, you know, it's nice to be here. It's absolutely huge, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Joshy, throw a little relish on that. I think I'm the worst hockey player at this table right now. It's kind of intimidating sitting around with you guys. But, yeah, good to be here. This is my 11th dog bowl been here a long time and uh just caught up with bryce me and bryce played together for a long time when we were kids so good to be here thanks cody hey man we're so stoked to have you guys here uh so we're gonna get into it a little bit i mean obviously uh logan how'd you how'd you find out about the uh tournament and uh why'd you decide to come down and you know kind of support the team i think just hearing uh guys in the past that have played here before Prior DU alums, Avs players have played here in the past. Um, I've had great things to say about it. I know uh, Coach Bednar and Marty have a good relationship as well. Um, I've also met Marty over the years. You know, Troy Terry's been a guy that's been coming here for a while, obviously being from Denver. He uh, sort of brought a, a lot of us onto Dog Bowl and, you know, gained the attention for us. Um, and, you know, it's cool to see now that we're playing Stastny's played before, Quincy's played before, and now we have, you know, DU freshmen that are coming into DU, getting to know, you know, the people, the alumni, the good people of Dog Nation. So it's uh, sort of turned into a good tradition here in the summer that uh, we all like to participate in. And that's got to be nice for you. I mean, seeing a bunch of guys you play DU with, like uh, getting to catch up with a whole bunch of guys. How's that kind of, you know, just being able to, you know, stretch your legs and kind of hang out with uh, the past, like, teammates and stuff like that? Absolutely, yeah. Sort of a little reunion-like. You see people you normally don't see throughout the year. Guys go different places, working nine to five. And then everyone sort of comes together for this great event. Um, you know, D is pretty special with the tradition we've built as a program. And then, you know, we've sort of taken that on with Dog Nation, um, you know, because there's obviously a great tradition there with, you know, you, what, like you said, going on 11 years now, which is pretty special. Um, seeing the impact Dog Nation has had, it's, you know, nice to be a part of uh, something as good as this. 
Absolutely, man. Yeah, Josh, you want to keep on this because your uh, your dad. Uh, well, just a little clarification. Uh, your dad was like one of the first uh, dog nation like dogs that I ever met. Like as uh, as a recipient. Yeah, my uh, pseudo dad. That's uh, Mike Heaton. His dad, uh, Dennis Heaton. He um, fell into the boards, broke his leg, had staph infection in the bone after that, and um, had to have the halo with the extending brackets in there and everything and uh yeah so he's actually the one that got me in with dog nation we were 18 right after we were done playing club hockey and our coach was like hey you guys want to come play beer league and so we got out here and started playing with him and yeah dog nation was just two teams um i mean that was 13 years ago that we started playing um, just the two teams and then started passing the hat around to gather money for the guys that got hurt. We had three guys get cancer all in the same year. Like, then that's what Dog Nation grew from was just those 20 guys or so that we had on those two teams and turned into this 60 team tournament and it's huge. Going to battle for each other basically, yeah. you know, that's just hockey. That's the hockey mentality is, you know, one guy goes down and, you know, you, you, everybody else is right behind him. What I love about it too is you're seeing a lot of different skill sets kind of being morphed into one team. And for every team here, you have you know your eight, your silver, your gold players, but you also have a lot of players who are up and coming in this and still trying to learn what really hockey is all about. And so what to me right now what I'm watching is you know a lot of DU players right now that are on the team they can't sign autographs yet, but you're seeing a lot of this pro future pro talent right now who is coming out. And you get to see a glimpse of not just their physical side, but they're purely just stick handling. Um, and you're seeing their IQ of the game positionally, which is, I think is a lot different than you see what you see in the pros. You're seeing, instead of just the physical side, it's more like hockey IQ, more stick handling, more speed. So I think it brings out a different part of the game. No, for sure. I think you can also see the growth from players year to year. You know, it's obviously a short weekend with guys coming for two, three, four games, but it generally is the same guys that come back each year. And, you know, if you pay close enough attention, you can see the strides that some of these younger guys are making, you know, throughout the divisions or age groups that, uh, and then you see them year to year and the growth. Obviously, I'm happy you said that too, but, you know, my, my question on that is, you know, how did you really get into hockey? Can I tell us your story on when you first saw the sport, what made you want to get into it? And obviously you're here now, just so tell us about what got you into the sport. Where did you really see like a lot of development in your game as well? Yeah, so my dad played, he actually played pro. Um, he had a cup of coffee in the NHL. So instantly that was obviously what I gravitated towards. You know, my dad is like many people, my hero growing up type thing. Um, so seeing the impact he had with the game on his life, that instantly brought me towards it. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people can say the same. And then in regard to growth for my game, I'd say throughout DU, I saw the biggest strides. Um, I've often said if I didn't choose DU, I don't think I'd be at the position I'm at in my career now. Um, and you know, that's big thanks to Jim Montgomery and the staff there. Was fortunate enough to play in a great class with Troy Terry, Dylan Gambrell, Luco Savages, who are all you know, Dog Nation guys now and consistently come out here. So I think we all pushed each other um, and all of our games grew from it. It was never easy coming, you know, it was always hard coming to the rink with those guys in regard to competitiveness because you knew every day we were gonna make each other better. 
and you know we lived together we grinded it out together and then we're you know we're still doing the same thing summer to summer year to year um, you know working on each other and keeping each other accountable and I think that's you know where I personally have seen the biggest growth in my game is throughout my DU years. Why DU? What, what other options did you have? I visited Duluth. It was pretty much come down to Duluth and Denver, but uh, you know, DU or Denver, sorry, is pretty similar to Calgary in the sense you know the Rockies are there, same time zone, you know, same same type of people. Everyone's pretty nice, outdoorsy. Um, so I instantly gravitated towards that, um, and then the tradition of the program. You know, it's obviously a long-lasting tradition. Jim Montgomery, I, I had heard such great things about him as a coach. And you know his supporting cast there really drew me towards the school, and really didn't see many cons, if any at all, um, in, in giving DU a shot. And you know, I, I can say it's probably the best decision I've made in my career to this point. So I'm pretty uh, thankful that uh, I did make that decision at the time. Oh yeah, just as you just said, you like uh, you said, you know, DU really ushered your kind of development along. So that's, I mean, great choices. I mean, obviously. Uh, a Denverites like saying, "Yeah, okay, Logan. Yeah, I'll take you all day long here in Denver." You know, so yeah, and you're following up people like Peter McNabb. We had him yesterday. He's a legend with the year. And so, oh, yeah, just, just just so many incredible players. I mean, Keith Magnuson, rest in peace. I mean, obviously, yeah. just yeah, it's such an illustrious history. It's a it is a special place to go. And I mean, like anybody would would be lucky to you know put on those you know the. Uh, the, the golden maroon, you know. And Madness Arena, is, it's, a, it's a hot arena. I'm not going to lie. Like, when you play on it, it's like, I feel like I'm sweating before I get on the, even on the warm-ups, it's a hot arena. It's a big arena, but. Absolutely. Regardless of say, I mean, it's, it's a fun place to play, especially look at DU itself. It's the t- one of the top hockey schools in the nation, so. Great decision, Connor, obviously. So just glad you didn't go to Duluth. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> we kinda, I was I was gonna try to bite my tongue, but at least Josh said <laughs> Me it first. Too. Here we are though. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cho- chose otherwise. So Josh so Josh, what kinda offered in like usher, ushered in your kind of love for hockey and where'd that really come from? Honestly, it was ninety six when the Avs moved to town. I played at the old ice box just above my parents' house out there on old Kipling and you know that they built the rink there the abs came to town it was a thing i started playing when i was six and just played ever since and you know played all around all the rinks around town and it's kind of crazy thinking about it like how big hockey's got since those days because those like you know there wasn't very many rinks around <laughs> when we were young like that you know and it's just turned into this huge thing and have these guys around in this tournament this weekend is pretty sweet but yeah, and um, I think that really bu- builds to the idea of what kind of uh, hockey community that we've cultivated here. Uh, Logan, can you speak to like just like the different kind of I- like hockey community ideas from when you got here in DU and like now playing you know Colorado ho- like Avs hockey? Like, is there a lot of a different a lot of a difference to the community that you've seen change? Yeah, I think anywhere in hockey community, I think we're pretty lucky. Um, you know, everyone gets treated like family. Um, even like dog bowl, you come here and you see all these people you haven't seen in a while, and you know you don't really skip a beat with them type thing. And everyone has a close bond um, with this. But in regard to DU and the Avs, I think you know both programs, organizations are just run by such amazing people. Um, obviously, Sakic, he's uh, been a legend here, and you know really grew the game. Him, Forsberg, Foot. Um, Patrick Waugh, they all grew the game here in Colorado. So 
I think you know that's a testament to their culture that they've built um, within the organization. I think it's you know pretty special um, the bond we have as a team type thing. You know we want to go to war for each other, and I think that's pretty unique. Um, I don't think every team has that, and it was the same at DU. You know, close off the ice, and you can play for each other harder on the ice type thing. You really, it starts in the locker room, I think, and you know that's that's been critical in all the teams I've played for is having a good team identity and culture. Absolutely. And um, I mean that that really does. I mean, you know, you know, we're just like a couple lonely podcasters, but you know, we're out there reading everything, and just from from what we've read throughout like the last couple years of like the Colorado Avalanche identity, it really is that like such a welcoming group. I mean, when uh, you know Naz and you know, uh, I mean Don Skoy, Sauter came in this year, you know. They all said that uh, you guys just welcomed with, uh, welcomed them with open open arms, and even when uh, you you were questioned at the beginning of the season about like you know, uh, you know fighting for a job in between JT Comfort and yourself, like the, the only like I, I I saw that look on your face like it's not really you know, we're not really fighting like we're just we're we're here to play hockey and like you know play our game, like is that is that kind of like. It, it, that seems like a real true family sentimentality. Definitely, yeah. There's definitely competitiveness to it. You know, you're always fighting for your spot and to take steps each year. But everyone respects each other. I think that's the biggest thing is everyone, you know, appreciates who each other is as a player and a person. And I think that really starts at the top with Joe. He's obviously um, a, a great person and he's really molded the team in a, a good way. But uh, it's always good to have competitiveness and keep guys accountable. Otherwise, you know, guys get a little complacent, and that's never what you want in an organization. You always want guys pushing each other top to bottom, AHL call-ups, taxi squad, black aces, whatever it may be. Um, I think it only brings out the best in people in games. And, um, well, I mean, I'm just going to go by what I, you know, what I see, what I hear. is like, I feel like uh, Jared Bednar really, like, knows how to, like, bring out the best in all you guys is, like what kind of a you know how does he do that with you guys like how does he bring out like your competitive nature and and your your drive your perseverance you know like your your jam basically yeah he's a very good motivator um you know he's grinded his way through the east coast league um the ahl to get to where he is so he knows it takes dedication and hard work um i think he builds good relationships with all his players that's you know a big thing nowadays it's less of that old school mentality of you know you don't really talk to your players and vice versa it's more of an open room type conversation and you know that way he can hear guys opinions and he's not closed off from the team he's open to discussion and you know hearing what guys have to think about this game or this pre-scout and I think that goes a long ways and I think players appreciate that because we know we have a voice in the breakdown we're doing game to game and you know the conversation within the locker room I think is huge and he's really promoted that with his uh, style of coaching. I gotta ask you, who's got a better uh, flow, Bedsy or Landy? Oh, that is a tough one. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> go with. Him. Yeah, I gotta go with Landy. I mean, that, that guy. Not on. even that salt and I pepper, man. I, I mean, that salt and pepper. That's like I that's mean, a great fox. There, there's no right? wrong answer there. Yeah. you can't really go wrong. Well, well, for me, like, I just want to hear it from you. Like, who is the hockey player that you really looked up to, and who is the player that you really can compare your game against? I think who I look up to growing up in Calgary was, you know, it's pretty hard not to idolize Joe, Jerome McGinley. Oh, know? yeah. I mean, he's the Joe Sackick of Calgary. Um, you know, big people in the communities, 
Um, always, you know, played consistent and hard as a captain, and he was easy to, you know, go to war with, I'm sure I can imagine at least. I mean, as a fan watching him, as a young guy, kid watching him was pretty special and unique um, when he was there. So I got to go with Jerome McGinley, honestly. I mean, that, that he's tough to top in regard to I mean, look he, up to. I mean, he seriously just gave you everything he had every single night. And uh, did you ever think about that, like uh, uh, like his little short stay in Colorado, like uh, when you got signed? Did you ever think about that, or just uh, what, what what kind of went through your head when you know you know you're going to be wearing a you know Colorado Avs sweater here soon? For sure, it sort of came full circle. Um, you know, seeing again there and then being at DU and being fortunate enough to stay in Denver. Um, I've said from the start, if I didn't go to DU, I wouldn't have had that opportunity um, with the Avs. So I'm fortunate for that, but. It's definitely worked out good. Um, can never be complacent, though. You know, things in this game change rapidly, year to year, day to day. It's a fast-changing business. It's what have you done for me lately type thing. Yeah, so exactly. Constantly need to be motivated in the summers. Um, otherwise, if you lose a step, it's pretty easy to get lost, lost in the dust there. So um, that's something I always preach on: is my hard work is the reason I've gotten here. It's not my skill or, you know, necessarily playmaking abilities it's more so my determination that is why I'm here so can't really uh lose that anytime or else I'll, I'll be gone you know just while uh, we were talking to you earlier I was just gushing about your uh you know your work ethic and you know that blue collar mentality you bring you do bring a lunch bill every day like you you like it's just that hustle that, that, that pure energy that you bring to the game which is uh, so vital to the speed game that you know, Colorado likes to play. Yeah, you're a 200 foot player, as we you know consider you as a 200 foot player, and so yeah, just kind of just elaborate on your know, Kobe going off it for sure. Yeah, just uh, I mean, break it down. You know, like I mean, not every everybody's going to be a goal scorer, but I mean, it is so vital to have those energy players. I think a big thing is just like relishing and you know being proud of a role that fits each person's game i mean i'd love to score goals i mean everyone does but it's not necessarily what i'm there to do every night um so i have to find a way to play my game that'll give the team the most best chance at success as well as me and you know that means playing a 200 foot game consistent hard checking um tight defensively, good on the penalty kill, using my speed, creating turnovers. And if I do those things, I think it will help, most importantly, the team and then also my career in the long run. And uh, I think that's the most important thing to do it consistently. Absolutely. Well, what is it like being around these skaters like McKinnon and McCarr? Like, what have you picked up off of them in terms of your game? What is it like playing with them? What are they like in the locker room? You can learn a lot from those guys day to day. I mean, there's no fluke on why they're at the points in this game on where they're at. They're always working hard. They're always staying out longer. Um, it's consistent day to day, and there's a reason they're where they're at in the game today. You know, they're two of the best players in the league. Um, and they're great guys in the locker. You know, they uh, they know they got a lot of pressure on them, like most teams with the superstars. But they handle it well, and they consistently bring a good attitude and you know push each other daily. I think that's the biggest thing is the accountability they hold. They hold themselves to a high standard, but everyone in the locker room is held to the same standard. Whether you're fourth line, scratched, 60 men, 
um, they all, you know, they want the team to succeed, and in order to do that, they have to push everyone the same. And I think they've done a good job with that, as well as you know, Landy, Miko, and all those guys. Uh, well, I, I, I got to bring it up because I mean, you, uh, we started this thing out talking about you know the uh, the DU alumni, the uh, the Anaheim Ducks game not too long ago, like not before, uh, just a little bit before the end of the season, where <laughs> it you know Troy Terry goes down and scores a goal. I, I think it's like two shifts later you do the same thing both silky mids kind of plays like do you, do you were you guys talking about any like about about that on the ice or anything or you know, like maybe he, uh you gave him a little wink uh like skating past the bench or anything like that no i think we saved it for after the game but we actually got caught in a little scrum at one point and uh troy grabbed me by my collarbone because he saw i was getting a little uh, wild in there and we, we sort of had to laugh at the moment i turned around and troy's trying to restrain me from Hammer and a couple of his teammates so <laughs> that was pretty funny at the moment uh we were f- roommates in college freshman year so to see where we're at now you know is, is pretty cool and i always root for troy except uh maybe when he's playing us yeah, it makes sense yeah, but yeah i just like i like i'm sitting here you know watching this you know troy terry you know undresses i think it was uh, uh i think it was hunter miska at the, uh, that that game and then yeah 10 minutes later here comes uh, here comes Logan O'Connor on this like fast break that just beautiful beautiful just like uh, you know just a couple moves and puts it in it's just like that's DU right now that's DU hockey right there like I just I, I thought <laughs> you would be proud that, of that. that was just incredible <laughs> yeah. so I, 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 I'd had I had to bring it up for sure yeah, it's cool to see the alumni that I've at least played with since being at DU you got Trevor Moore Heinen Gambrell Butcher Terry um, you know, it's awesome to see guys around the league um, doing it together type thing and then working hard in the summers to uh, get to that point. Well, that's and, and like a lot of those guys, you know, you're going to be seeing a lot more. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, Gambrell in San Jose, you know, Heinen and Troy Terry in uh, Anaheim. So do you, do you ever like you ever kind of like get up a little extra, like a little extra animosity in those games? And you just like kind of want to give them to give it to them a little bit more. For sure. I think and they do the same thing. I know know that for a fact. I, we all, you know, it's cool playing against each other, but we all really want to win those games a little more, a little extra bragging rights uh, throughout the summer. And I think Troy sort of got me this year. So. We have to get him back next year. Oh, absolutely. Well, hey, man, you know we're going to be looking forward to that. Absolutely. Uh, can you? Um, well, you know, just like I said, I mean, I've, I, you know, I follow a lot of Avalanche interviews and stuff because I got a lot of time. I got so much time on my hands. Uh, so I, you know, I, like like I said, listening to your past interviews and one of your goals this season was to really up your game, kind of focus more on the positive things that you're doing. Um, what, are, what are you kind of looking at coming into this next season? Kind of, you know, like, unfortunate, like, injury kind of, like, spouts. And then um, getting into the lineup later, like, what, what, what would you like to see uh, next, next year going for you, bud? I think taking strides in sort of all aspects of my game is something I, you know, strive towards this summer. Um, you know, my penalty killing is something that I think I developed more this year and something I take a lot of pride in. So I'd like to maybe take a bigger role in that sense next year. Um, and then probably my offensive side of things a bit. I think I had a couple of chances and, you know, opportunities that I could have capitalized on a little more. And, you know, those are all things that you can practice and focus on throughout the summer. And, you know, focusing on the offensive side of things is, you know, fun to do as well. So it makes it a lot easier. 
Um, so I'd say those are a couple of things that I'd like to really dial in on this summer, as well as, you know, my strength. I think every year I'm a lean guy. I, I like to play a, a fast game and get in the corners a bit. So putting on a little more strength is uh, will never hurt. Absolutely, man. Uh, and, and just, just you know, talk about the spotlight you're in. Obviously, you know, I think we all had the idea we all go pro one day, hopefully. But you're living the dream. You're doing it right now in front of us, you know. And... How was the transition from hockey to junior to being an NHL player? And just kind of talk, you know, talk us through, you know, days like today when you're in the spotlight and things like that. You know, how, how do you handle it? I think in today's day and age, you know, you sort of grow up around social media. So it feels as though we have a lot of, you know, training that, you know, we don't think about in the moment, but in juniors, you have little, you know, interviews here and there. And I think because it's sort PR of... PR who tell you to do certain things. And yeah. Do certain things, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, we get trained a bit, but, you know, it, it's awesome. I think all of us grew up to get to this point. So, you know, taking the time to meet little kids or, you know, sign something here or there, just, you know, take time out of your day to speak to people is crucial. I remember a little kid and one NHL player sort of denied me one time, and, you know, I still remember that you know so never want to be the guy that turns people away type thing um i think it's you know critical to Who try and grow the, the game I, I won't name him. <laughs> yeah. i won't name oh, no. Him. No, no, I, I feel bad putting him under the gun but uh i think it's you know you got to take time out of your day um for everyone try to help grow the game around colorado um you know denver especially has been so good to me in regard to du and the abs that i have a lot of payback to do in regard to just you know taking time to talk to people Fantastic. And what do you think about Dog Nation and this whole thing they've been doing? Just kind of give us your whole your input on that, this whole organization, what they've been doing. Yeah, just kind of send this one off on a positive note here. It's truly unbelievable what Dog Nation has done over, you know, the 11 years. I mean, like you said, started off with two teams handing around a hat type thing. And, you know, the, the money that has been raised now for great causes with families and veterans and um, you know, different groups of people that really could use it that, you know, might be struggling or in less fortunate times. I think it's, you know, it's awesome what Dog Nation has done and it's truly grown a family um, in Colorado. I think a lot of people take pride in, you know, the impact that everyone's made. And, you know, I think things are just getting started with Dog Nation. I, I think this has obviously become a yearly thing, tradition that a lot of people circle on their calendars type thing. And, you know, Marty's done a great job with raising money and, you know, getting a lot of people involved. It's obviously a huge operation that, uh, you know, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's been unbelievable to see the uh, impact it's made on people. Truly labor of love, you know. Well, I do have one more question for you. As most of these people in this building right now are going to be diehard Avalanche fans and talking to an Avalanche player ourselves, can you just tell us what happened with the Vegas Golden Knights? But also give us, give us, you know, some light at the end of the tunnel. What can we look forward to from you guys this year? I mean, Vegas is a good team. I think in a normal schedule, it would have more so been meet them in the third round. Um, they, they just out, outplayed us, really. I mean, we, we had a team that we thought we could go all the way and, you know, do a, some special things, which we still did this year, but no one remembers necessarily who won the President's Trophy. That's that's not good enough in our minds. You know, if you're not the Stanley Cup champion, then well, what's the point type thing? You know, no one remembers that. So I think it's tough right now. It's a tough pill to swallow, and I think it will be for a while, knowing the, the roster we had and, you know, the special talents we had in there. We really felt like we could be the team to do it and had that belief. Um, but going forward, I think we can just constantly use that 
learning experience you know failure is uh you know it, it hurts at the time but i think in the long run it can really pay dividends to learn from your mistakes and uh know when the opportunity comes next year that you know the window for guys careers some guys are winding down some guys are starting but uh it doesn't come around every year and uh, we really need to cherish that and you know come together as a team and learn from the mistakes we made this year and hopefully develop from those and grow more going forward but uh, I got no doubt that we can uh, you know have a big summer and guys will come back hungry for uh, next year. Just throw that uh, uh, fuel on the fire for next year yeah? Yeah absolutely I think everyone is uh, fired up to get started. Do you feel a little vindicated that uh, Montreal went on to uh, you know kind of take him down? I think so yeah I, I, I do. As, and especially as like uh, a native Canadian First time a, like a Canadian team has you know reached the finals in a long time. They could be the first Canadian team to win it since 1993. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's cool for Canada. Hopefully, they can get some more fans in there in the Bell Center because uh, I think Canada is hungry for another cup. But uh, it, it's it's tough to look past us losing. And well, trust about. me, I've been uh, I've been I've been in straight up uh, sweatpants and Ben and Jerry's mode since yeah, it happened. But so I, <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. You're not you're not you're not the only yeah. one that's hurting. They took it an opportune time to fall apart in the playoffs there after you guys. Yeah, it's rough. Exactly. Have you watched it, the series, Montreal and Vegas? Yeah, I watched some of it. I, I find it tough to watch yeah. it still. Me too. Um, <laughs> so I watched a little bit, not as much as I probably should have. Yeah, I just, I, it's more weird, word of mouth for me. It's just like, you can tell me what happened. I'm not going to watch it right now. I'm, I'm still very spurned. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, kind of, you know, it, it, I wonder, you know, what are you doing in this spare time? If you're not watching playoff hockey, you're on a golf course? Like, what do you guys do? I've golfed, oh yeah. I think every <laughs> hockey guy likes to get on the course in the summer. Um, then starting to work out, get back in the swing of things. I think, you know, got the itch a bit to, you know, get working out and get back to it. Probably take a couple weeks off from skating here and um, just enjoying time with, you know, friends that have, you know, come in from other teams and, you know, go up to the mountains hiking or whatnot and uh, really enjoy the summer, try and disconnect a little bit. Before you have to really uh, turn it back on. Again. Yeah, before turning things up. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's a pretty quick turnaround this year uh, just because of how crazy all this COVID stuff has gone. So I happen to, I got to ask you one more question. What's on the Netflix queue? What's on the Hulu queue right now? Honestly, I am normally a big show guy, but since we finished, I haven't really watched much TV. Oh, I'll buddy. Be honest. I, I got some work to do, though. Well, hey, we got plenty of time, man. Uh, Logan, thank you so much, so much for coming on. It's been a, uh, an incredible pleasure. Josh, I see you over there. He's falling asleep. Uh, I'm sorry if we're boring you. That's the way buddy. I look. It's yeah, yeah. We're, just, uh, we're mile high for a reason, eh, buddy? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Logan, if you want to send uh, some shout-outs real quick to anybody you want, go for it, buddy. Oh, just dog nation, I guess, you know, thank you guys for everything um, you've done with the tournament. And, you know, I think it's pretty special, the family that dog nation has grown here. So just appreciate, you know, everyone that's uh, put this together. I think it's a really unique group and charity event that, you know, hopefully can keep going. Well, I, huge thanks to you. Thanks. Thank you to Josh. Uh, yeah, huge thanks to, you know, you guys. And as as fans, thank you for you guys and the wonderful season. Regardless of how it ended, thank you so much. We love watching you play. And as pure on the bench with Beaks Fashion, would you guys be willing to uh, sign the old banner here? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Really, really uh, uh, enjoyed it. Thanks for taking the time, LOC. We love you, buddy. We want to see you. Uh, you want to see you like take down that cup with everybody else. Seriously, all our other lo- uh, lovely boys out there in burgundy and blue. And there you have it, LOC, Colorado Island. Next year, we're getting it, baby. All right. So, uh, thank you for listening. Um, catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Breaker, Podbean, Verbal, Pocket Cast, and sometimes YouTube when I feel like it. So, until then. The horse. Salut. Bye, guys. Have a good one. And that's all she wrote for period two of On the Bench with Beaks coverage at Dog Bowl 11. Thank you to Martin Richardson and Mike Freeman and everybody at Dog Nation. Also, thank you to My Beer Nation and all of our listeners. And a special thank you goes out to Nicole Vale, Vivian Smith, and Todd Sawatsky, our monthly supporters. Please follow On the Bench with Beaks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stream all of our episodes, including our newest episodes, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox, Breaker, Podbean, Verbal, and Pocketcasts. Until next time, V-Horsh. Try the damn thing, see what happens.